It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Welcome to another edition of the IDP Corner. My name is Justin Varnes, uh, one of the fantasy analysts over at uh, FantasyPoints.com, the IDP analyst. You can follow me on Twitter at DownWithIDP. Joining me as always, our other IDP analyst and projection specialist, Mr. Thomas Simons. How are you doing tonight, Thomas? I'm doing very well, Justin, and hello to our listeners. Uh, and we're also very honored to have a special guest. We try to have uh, this this man on uh, at least once a season, usually in in the early parts of it. Uh, and uh, we're very happy to have him, uh, Dr. Edwin Porras. Uh, he is the um, he, <laughs> he's the injury and health specialist at FantasyPoints.com. You can follow him on Twitter at fbinjurydoc. Uh, lots of great stuff. We're going to get into some heavy hitters, but but first, before we do that, welcome, Edwin. How are you? Thank you guys for having me. I feel honored to be here. The two IDP specialists, you two are the, I would argue the IDP guys and IDP heads have the most overall well-rounded knowledge of the game in its entirety. I would, I would the argue. Doctor in the house. I can definitely hear you. I can, I can, well, I, well, I don't hear it. I guess I read it in the Slack. I know that you guys know this game, which is fun. It's fun to talk to you about it. Yeah, and it's, you know, uh, there's so much attention that gets um, paid to the offensive side of the ball for fantasy, and and, and rightly so, uh, but also so much of that attention tends to um, be real detail-oriented for the offensive side of the ball in terms of the injuries, and as, as obviously, as we all know, those injuries happen on both sides of the ball, so we're really excited to have you because we have a couple of a huge names. I mean, these, you know, some of the players we're going to discuss tonight uh, could end up as the number one overall uh, player in, the, in their category, but they are coming off injuries. One of the things I've really enjoyed about uh, reading and reading your stuff and talking to you, Edwin, is when it comes to your knowledge base here, you've just got a ton of research to back up most of, of, of what you're discussing in terms of case studies. You've considered age. You've considered uh, where the injury was, what the injury was specifically called. Uh, I've noticed you on a couple of times pointing out the difference between one type of knee injury versus the other and um, and what that may mean. You know, I remember uh uh, a couple of years ago in Deontay Foreman, uh, 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 I believe it was an Achilles injury, uh, but whatever injury is, it was more severe than people realized. And it basically sapped him of his power. Um, and there are still people today that are that are drafting Foreman or holding on to him, hoping he's going to be that, you know, a massive talent he was pre-injury. Um, and so these things to find out ahead of time, particularly before draft season comes, and even in Dynasty, we just want to kind of get um, a, a, a clear picture of something. Some of these heavy hitters. So we're going to dive in. We're going to, I picked a couple of safeties. Uh, and again, the, the, the players we picked today, they're not currently injured. They had, they suffered an injury last year. So what we're mainly right. looking at is the outlook for heading into this season. What are their chances of re-entry? What are their chances of being a hundred percent? And the first guy who I'm really high on this year, assuming he stays healthy, but he does have a long injury history, and that's the safety for the Los Angeles Chargers, and that's Derwin James. Do you have any uh, feel on uh, Derwin James's injury history, plus how he might uh, do this season, Edwin? Yeah, Derwin James is a really interesting case study, right? Because I'm always the first one to tell you that a player's injury history is the best predictor predictor of their 
of their history moving forward. At a really young age, he had the Jones fracture, which is the the fracture in the in the on the outside of the foot. That's not an uncommon injury for a 23-year-old NFL player, especially sort of his size and body type. But the more that we talked about Derwin James's play style and how he's sort of an overall athlete, it doesn't surprise me that he's also had two, at this point, two meniscus issues. Now, essentially what the meniscus serves as is a bumper, a shock absorber for the knee. Every time you get a surgery in there, every time you open it up, and you have to sort of uh, surgically repair it or, or do whatever you're going to do to it, depending on the severity, you do have to bump players down a little bit from a longevity standpoint. It doesn't necessarily mean that it'll impact them immediately, but there is some data suggesting that, for example, for running backs, they they play fewer snaps. They are on the field for, for um, compared to controls, they play fewer snaps and take fewer carries, and they start fewer games. Now, that's for a running back, super involved position, right? For somebody like Derwin James, not that he's not involved, but he is able to sort of get spelled every now and then, depending on, I guess it depends on how good the, the defense is overall, and you guys can get into that. Um, for a player like Derwin James, what I would really most worry about this year, though, is the fact that he hasn't played a snap since 2019. We know that players, regardless of, of the sport or the activity, the the more their workloads vary. So in other words, are you in the gym versus are you on the practice field versus are you in, are you rehabbing? Uh, the the more that they have these sort of up and down cycles of workloads like Christian McCaffrey last year, they're actually three to six more times likely to have a soft tissue injury. So take that for what it's worth. The the, the number one reason I'm concerned for Derwin James, or I, I guess I would label him as a high volatility, volatility player in 2021 is just the pure fact that he hasn't been on the field for two years. You know, it's something that you really have to take into consideration, not necessarily because he'll get injured again, something with something related to the knee or something related to the foot, but just because his body is just maybe not adjusted to the workloads yet. So, you know, he's just a a really good player, obviously, right? Great player. Like you said, potentially top five at his position. So you have to take that with a grain of salt. He's still super young. So this might not impact him as much as I'm saying, but I would say that at the very least, given his his history of of physical injuries, like like, like you were saying earlier, like we were talking about off air, there it, he is at an ele- elevated risk for probably missing a game or two. But it really depends on how much you really want to fade him for that. But I I can't say that he comes without risk. Do you, you do you obviously with the the soft tissue issues and concerns that you have with what you mentioned with the lack of um, playing time and or field time is the meniscus type injury that he's received is does that lead to like arthritis problems down the road um, or other knee issues it can it definitely can down the road that's where you sort of get the Todd Gurley disease right Todd Gurley had had a couple of of procedures I know he had ACL at least right um, in that knee and that's just that's what's called what you call an intra-articular surgery inside Mm -hmm. the joint the more of those surgeries you have, the the data actually shows that the shorter your career is in the NFL. So, but that's really more of a longevity thing, right? That's something you might right. view three, two or three years down the road if, if he, you know, hopefully makes it that far. But I'm not necessarily too concerned right off the bat, um, as, especially considering he doesn't play an in the trenches type of position. Like if he were a linebacker, I'd be a little bit more concerned. Um, if he were even... I don't know if he were even like a pass rusher, I'd be a little bit more concerned if it were a meniscus, but given his specific position, I think he can overcome it. But again, his play style does put him at an elevated risk in addition to the fact that he just hasn't been on the field. And so his body's going to have to adapt to the workloads again. 
Speaking of safeties, uh, somebody who is a little older than Derwin James and has suffered his fair share of, of injuries. However, most of his injuries have been uh, to his upper body. Uh, and that's a veteran playing for Washington football team, Landon Collins. As far as Landon goes, I mean, he's, he's had, uh, you know, he's broken his forearm. He's had some shoulder issue issues, uh, but all that was, was upper body uh, going into this year. He's a veteran. Uh, he's a little older. Obviously he's got definitely more wear and tear on his body than a Derwin James. And he's also moving into uh, a, a position where the Washington football team has two other safeties that they can rotate in and out. Um, but they are weak at linebacker. And so Collins might be playing more uh, of a box or linebacker type of role versus James, who who will spend a good time, a good amount of time in coverage or on the back end of the defense and essentially away from from the, the heavy action. Uh, what are your feelings on Collins being able to, to bounce back this year, being a little bit more of a veteran? Yeah, at this point, right, it's it's, it's not looking fantastic for Collins. I'm not going to go ahead and say he's going to, you know, he's a full on fade, but he probably is going to be better off in coverage a la Richard Sherman than he's going to be, you know, in the trenches in the box uh trying to quick twitch react like we were talking about before you before we hit record. It, it's it's something that you definitely are going to going to potentially notice on film pretty quickly whether he's got the step or he doesn't have the step. Here's what I would say. In leagues with Landon Collins, it's something that you should expect him to lose a step because if you expect him to, to have lost a step, but not three, then you're conservatively managing for the Achilles injury, which tends to happen to these 27, 28 year olds. If you account for that, you know, loss of a step, then you manage your own expectations. Another way to look at it. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, so that's going to affect him more in coverage than if they if they decide to use the other two safeties in coverage and, and deep safety positions and, and uh, deploy Collins more, you know, closer to the line of scrimmage, more in the box where he's going to take hits, but he but he won't have to um, rely strictly on his speed. So if you were a coach, you might. You might uh, lean Collins more toward the box. Do you do you think being closer to the line of the scrimmage, he can um, basically compensate for that la- uh, loss of step? Maybe. Oh, sorry, I maybe I didn't I didn't explain myself well enough. What I would say to expect from from Landon Collins is for him to actually lose a step playing in the box. Gotcha. Um, shading coverages right maybe even i would expect him to lose a step in one-on-one type coverages situations if that if he ever runs into that Um, that's something that i've again i'm not going to say full fade but it's really difficult for you to have that quick twitch after this achilles injury um exactly it's just a monster it's a monster uh injury to come back from and just the idea that a lot of players will come back and not have that burst, right? They'll know the move. They'll see the move they need to make. They'll react to the to the offensive player quickly, but they just can't plant, cut, and go and make that move. And so the quick twitch is lost, which I, which is what I was going to say is I think will you can hide that a little bit when he's playing, you know, as a true safety. Now, if he plays in the box, you know, maybe on run packages and stuff like that, you won't see too much either, but if he ever has to split out, you know, and especially in any type of any type of like one on one type coverage, those are the situations that I would be nervous about. Those are the situations that I would be uh, scared that he might might have lost a step. I, I would be surprised if he if he didn't lose a step. 
So I, I would expect us to monitor his first three games in the preseason, see if he even plays, and if he does, do they use him deep in, in more in pass protection, you know, deep coverage, or do they use him more in the linebacker spot that Justin was referring to? It's going to be exactly. interesting to see how they unfold. 100%. It- and I'll ask uh, Greg Cosell to to keep an eye on him. If if Greg notices that he's he's like like you said, Edwin. Definitely. If Greg notices that he's lost a step or he's he's a hair shy, then 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 um, that's those are huge red flags. And and uh, for as high as as Collins is getting drafted, you know I, I've been in several drafts already, and and Collins is getting drafted as a as a back end DB one. So the, he's already getting a little discounted because you know fully healthy he he could be a, a top five uh, DB, but it sounds like, um, you know, and we'll, we'll see what, what happens over these next preseason games, but it sounds like we need to be discounting him a little bit more, you know, um, not the type of, with all the other options with, with the Justin Simmonses and, and so many other options out there might be safer to, to, uh, to let someone else in your league, take the risk. Of <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. Moving on to pass rushers, there's a couple of dominant pass rushers uh, that, that suffered, um, you know, uh, season-ending in, uh, uh, injuries last year. We're going to start with one of the more mysterious ones, at least at least to us. I mean, my my uh, uh, medical knowledge uh, is basically uh, only based around the, the TV show Scrubs. So, um, <laughs> uh, uh, but all I know is that when you start talking about the neck, in, in the case of uh, Minnesota Vikings, Daniil Hunter, I think of Peyton Manning and and uh, and so many other um, uh, uh, football, you know, football and other athletes who've had neck issues, and and it really. Um, uh, can can end your career very shortly. So Hunter had uh, a herniated disc that he had a cleanup, quote unquote, cleanup surgery on a herniated disc. Uh, and right now, if he's 100 percent, he's a top three defensive lineman it, or he may he may be a shell of him, his former self. And and because there are so few elite defensive linemen available, we're talking five or six. This is like tight end territory where you have a handful of, of monsters and then there's a huge drop off. This is a really big risk to take uh, with Daniel Hunter. Or is it not really that big of a, a risk to take, Edwin? This is a this is a really really interesting question. I don't know what the reports have been because I haven't. Defensive players are so difficult to to dig up notes on. People don't follow them as much as offensive players, as both of you know, obviously. Right. Yeah. And so it really depends on how he's been progressing after surgery. What he likely had was a disectomy, where they went and chopped out basically part of the the protruding tissue that was impinging on the nerves that are leading probably to like some hand weakness, numbness, tingling, pain in the neck and the arm. And the the presumption here is if he's progressing well, um, because the surgery was, I think, October, like you were saying, at this point, he should be relatively good to go. Now, nerve, which this is was a nerve issue. This was a nerve injury, essentially. Nerves are very picky. They're very finicky and they're very slow to regenerate. They actually regenerate at about a millimeter per day, if I remember correctly. That's off the top of my head. It's really slow. These surgeries, uh, per the data, actually show that, that they, they do really well. These elite athletes are able to come back and do well. What, what really will help him is the rehab and the physical therapy. And if he had minimal symptoms coming out of surgery, et cetera, et cetera, that's all going to be, that's all going to work in his favor. Now he just, I mean, it's, let's not pretend like it, you know, it's all roses and daisies because he obviously he had a, a, a neurological surgery, right? I mean, it's not, it's not nothing. 
However, there are there is data to indicate that he can come back and 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 do pretty well. You think of the worst case scenario. So right, we were just talking earlier. You think of Joe Flacco. You think of Quincy Nunwe. You think of, of Peyton Manning. But that doesn't necessarily have to be the case for a 26-year-old. Um, I don't know if you've heard any reports on how he's doing, but these this specific surgery does does pretty well uh, in most players. All I've seen, and, and Thomas, I want to know if you've seen anything anything contrary to this, but I mean, so far reports have, have been that he's that he's doing he's doing well, and and uh, I haven't seen anything to show that uh, that that he's not doing well. But you know, and this is always across the board. Everyone at this point is in the best shape of their life. They they've never looked better. They're, so they're faster than ever, and yep, somehow faster and thinner and stronger and you know whatever better in bed. It's just it's amazing what the reports that come out here. If you Unless just you read, read, yeah, you <laughs> well, boy, I don't know if you remember uh, that. Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, if you read if you read nothing but training camp reports. You, all, all you would do is push all everyone up to you know the number one slot in your ranking. So, I, I will say that um, uh, you know in June uh, the Viking you know, Hunter was not happy with his contract, um, and uh, but the Vikings and Hunter did come to an agreement and and restructured uh, his deal in June. So I would imagine if I was the Vikings, uh, you know, team physicians. I I I would I would be weary of 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 you know locking him into a, a longer term contract uh, if I was that worried. So um, just based on those those little things, it, it does give me uh, a little bit more confidence that Hunter might be worth the risk, and it might work the, the opposite way, the opposite way of Landon Collins, where uh, Hunter may slip to you know the end of that high end DE run. Uh, and he may be worth, he may be undervalued. Um, but uh, Thomas, have you heard anything or what, what's well, your feel from, on this? From what I've been hearing and the things that I've been seeing, um, he's come into camp and, and he's just been ripped. I mean, he's DK Metcalf ripped physically and his physique is just unbelievable. And he's blowing away teammates such as newly acquired or new teammate Patrick Peterson they're they're calling him just you know the upper end of their their defense now again it all goes back to what Edwin said regarding this is a herniated disc although it is in the neck and it's different I guess Edwin when it's a lower back issue it becomes a lot more difficult to recuperate from a back injury because the back just doesn't respond uh, in a normal situation or normally it, it can go in either direction. Whereas with the herniated disc towards the neck, they, they seem to have a little more control, especially with somebody who is um, as physically gifted as Hunter is. Yes. And, and the other thing that I'd say, though, I will say um, all these notes, you guys gave me really good names because these are all really good sort of tease them apart, get into the weeds uh, injuries for these specific uh, players. When you look at the data for players coming into the NFL from the NCAA, this isn't a sample of like three years. What they found was that patients, or I call it patients, sorry, players with uh, chronic stingers, and I don't know if, if if Hunter had chronic stingers, they basically continue to have stingers. And if these players continue to have stingers, because essentially what a stinger is, is you you transiently sort of close off the space between the spinal cord and the and the spine and you get a little zinger 
that's a, that's what a stinger is. And the more theoretically, the more often that happens, right? The more compression you get, the more micro trauma you get, the more inflammation you get, the more likely you are to have a herniated disc. I don't know if that's the case for Hunter. If he did have chronic stingers before this, that would be something to definitely, if only you had an injury analyst to look that up. I'm thinking about it just now, right? right? If only you had somebody in charge of injury. Sorry guys, I'm really bad at this. Um, but if that's something that he did suffer from, that would, that would scare me a little bit for a recurrence. He could look great and he could come back from the surgery and he could have no symptoms, no distal symptoms, no weakness, no pain. He could regain his endurance in his back and his upper back and his neck. But if he, this is something that he's been struggling with since, you know, early days, since, since 21, 22, this might be something that still continues to follow him. So that's just something to keep in mind that if of all these players we're talking about recurrence is, is more likely, not necessarily, it's not necessarily locked in, but if there's one player who's going to have a recurrence of this injury or situation, it's probably Hunter of this list that we're talking about. That makes sense. Um, uh, we're going to wrap it up with one more uh, edge rusher, another uh, elite player, and that's Nick Bosa. Now, Nick Bosa tore his uh, ACL in week two of last year. This is a player that has very little mileage on him, uh, uh, you know, only a couple of years in the league, and obviously he missed all, all of last season. So given how young he is and given his, wear, his lack of wear and tear, if you will, um, and how early that ACL injury was suffered, which was week two of last year, um, you know, the way, you know, again, my, my scrubs mentality here is, uh, his body is young, so it's got to re- recover quicker and all that, but there's also the mental aspect of trusting the knee. And I guess, um, you know, uh, my, my thought is I were, I seem to be worried less about how physically how he recovers and more about mentally trusting it at such a young age. I find that veterans who have, you know, torn a few things and and maybe questioned if he was ever going to be the same again. And then they get go through a whole season and they just realize that, you know, every now and then you, your arm's just going to fall off and you just got to stitch it back on. You go about the, <laughs> out, back out there and play. But sometimes the younger players, I wonder if if um, if that's an issue. But let's mainly focus on, I guess, on, on the physical. Uh, given his age, uh, his his need to push off it off of that uh off of that knee uh what do you think this far removed from an acl injury for a player like bosa how would that impact uh his forecast for 2021 now i'm gonna push back a little bit about bosa's history and that's only because he has dating back to high school already had an acl injury and then at ohio state he did have a groin sort of abdomen uh, tear that he decided to, to to rehab. And then now he's got this ACL essentially for the second time. Right. Now, what I would say is it's really difficult to to trust players. And this is um, in a sample of, and I think it's three years again, 2012 to 2015. Basically what this study found that I'm looking at for NFL players, and this is all NFL players, the more games a player misses due to injury in college, the more likely they are to miss games in the NFL. Now, we're already seeing that with Bosa. That's not to say that he's going to come back and then miss more games, right? This might be the one time he tears his ACL, the one time he has a massive injury, and then for his career, he just ended up missing 14, 15 games, right? That that could be how the, the data trickles in. However, he has this pattern so far of injuries, connective tissue injuries, right? Two ACLs mm-hmm. and, an, and a groin tear at this point aren't necessarily a coincidence. So I would actually say the opposite. I would be more concerned with his immediate availability in, in 2021 because of potential soft tissue injuries that could pile up. I know that happens 20% of the time 
in skilled players coming off off an ACL. They either have quote knee on the injury report or the or hamstring or groin. Um, I would be worried about that. But in terms of being physically dominant at the line of scrimmage and having sort of that quick twitch, I think he might be half a step behind, but I honestly don't think that it would be what we would call clinically relevant. Like even if he, even if Bosa is half a step behind, I think he's going to have the the physical tools to overpower his man, but I would be concerned for either re-injury or just another injury because he has not shown to be, uh, unfortunately hasn't shown to be as uh, durable as we'd like him to be. And well, he, he tends to be more of a uh, a torque and body twist type of player. And for what he's doing, yeah. right, it hugely matters because when you're, you're, you've got a 360-pound behemoth trying to lay his body on top of you while you're doing the twisting and, and torquing, you can definitely re-injure those connective uh, injuries that he's had with his groin and with his knee and, and whatever else, you know, his he could have hip problems he could have shoulder problems all because he may be compensating for the previous injuries and i don't want to be alarmist because i always feel like when i talk about players in this light that it sounds really alarmist i'm trying to be as realistic and down to earth as possible the the bottom line is that most players don't tear two acls in a matter of five years right like that usually doesn't happen most players don't get a groin injury in between and then sit out the rest of the of their time uh, in, at the collegiate level, right? That that's most players like that doesn't happen. Um, so I, I don't want to necessarily, you know, be alarmist like I'm saying, but I do think it, it takes a little bit of a, Hmm, if there's somebody, be- if there's, if there's a line, right. If there's a teardrop and you're trying to choose between somebody, uh, like Nick Bosa and somebody else that you might think is in a very similar tier or same area, same level. And you know that this other person has a, a cleaner bill of health, I would likely lean to that person, but I know that's hard to come by. It's sort of rarefied air once you get this this high at the in the uh, sort of in the rankings. And you know, you mentioned the fact that there's the possibility that this could and, and it is a concern. Well, it, it's also a red flag concern when the team has already stated that they may reduce some of his snap count early right. on in in the season. Totally just a to, possibility, to, yep. right? To keep him fresh. Now, that doesn't mean that he's going to be, you know, benched or go from 65% snaps to 20% snaps. But the fact that they're going to reduce his snap count a little bit, take the, the, the load off of him a little, means that they're concerned too. Well, listeners, it's, it's going to have to be up, up to you guys to make your own decisions. You can either trust the injury specialist or somebody who's seen it all eight seasons of scrubs. So or if you're a Vegas person, roll the dice. Roll right. them dice. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned uh, Vegas there, Thomas, because um, Edwin, you're saying, you know, like, I don't want to be alarmist and, and, and I'm, you know, basically you're not trying to freak every, everybody out here. But for me, uh, a, a lot of these sorts of decisions, particularly when it comes to draft day, uh, I, I have a poker player's mentality, which is that I just want to know my odds. I understand that the cards I'm about to lay down have a one in three chance. I know that and I'm willing to take that risk. So if 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 it's two out of three and I lose that one, I know that I understand the risk I'm taking. I just don't like not having I want as much information as possible so that I can like. Basically, I'm going to take all four of these players in, right. in drafts coming up. There's no way I'm I'm not. But now that I know have a better idea of that risk that's involved, that that's basically all I want, and that's all I think we want for our listeners is just to be 
um, more well-educated on this because exactly as you said, Edwin, like, you know, you do this for a living and it's hard for you to dig up enough information on some of these defensive players because beat reporters and websites and, and ESPN pundits, they just don't talk about these defenders as much. And the, so then the information is scarce and we're often left, you know, uh, poking around in the dark. So this was amazing to have you on here to, to help us out. Ed, of course, we I really appreciate, appreciate it. And if I, if I may, because I know that fantasy players at large really like rankings, right? Mm-hmm. If I had to rank these four players that we talked about today from the, and this is for concern for the 2021 season, right? Just in a vacuum, in a bubble, concern for performance, missing games, whatever. From the least to the most concerned, I would say I'm the least control, concerned for Hunter. I am the next to least concerned for Bosa, followed by Collins and James. And I would oh. say Collins and James are, are a little bit dicey. I'm probably the most concerned about Collins, simply because that's a tough injury to come back from and still perform. Gotcha. Uh, this was great, Thomas. It was so great having Edwin on here. We really oh, do indeed. appreciate that. Um, we'll, we might have, hopefully we won't have too many other star players injured. We don't have to bring you back on mid season. So I'll say for all our IDP, uh, uh, listeners out there, hopefully this is the last time we talk to you this year. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, I tell all my patients when they walk, when they get discharged, I say, I hope I never see you again. (laughs) That's it. Uh, thank you. Thanks so much for, for, for hopping on. And remember to follow Edwin on Twitter at FB injury doc, football injury doc. Uh, and you can read all of his amazing articles on fantasypoints.com. Thanks so much for joining us, Edwin. Thanks, Thanks Edwin. Thank you. All right, we're going to continue on now, and uh, we're going to talk some about uh, training camp. We have we've been taking some training camp notes, uh, but but before we do that, we've been reaching out to uh, the Discord channel. If you're a Fantasy Points uh, subscriber, you uh, have access to uh, the Discord channel where you can uh, speak directly to. You know, anyway, John Hansen, uh, Joe Dolan, we're basically all on there. And there's an IDP channel. There's several IDP um, uh, nuts uh, that are on on there with us. Uh, and we asked them to come up with some questions heading into the season, anything in particular that, that they wanted to kind of hit on. Um, there's also some cool stuff we're doing in the Discord app. Uh, for, for those of you who only dabble in IDP uh, or you have a, you know, maybe one or two leagues where you have to play a couple of IDPs. And frankly, you just don't have the time to, to delve into that. That's okay. That's what Thomas and I get paid to do. So we've got a few people in that discord app that are literally as, as we speak uh, are, are texting us. They're in their draft right now and they're trying to figure out who to draft. And uh, it's been fun kind of helping some of these, these players out as, as they're going through their draft. So we wanted to give a little shout out and a nod to, to the, to the folks in the discord. App. So we asked them to come up with a couple of questions, and we're going to dig into those questions uh, now. We're going to start with um, uh, the username Stop at Yellow. Uh, he asked, "What can we expect from Kyle Duggar?" Thomas, what you got for Kyle Duggar? Well, first of all, you get paid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Duggar is currently running right now in camp behind Adrian Phillips as the uh, strong safety, but um, Duggar did play 14 games in 2020. Um, rookie season, and he started seven of them. So he should see the field plenty, especially when the Patriots use their three safety alignment. Now, bear in mind, he only had one game last year in which he posted more than four, four solo. So he's not a big um, tackle-heavy kind of guy and or big play person. But 
they did like what they saw in him last year, and he will be involved, although it is a busy secondary because they, he and Jalen Mills are backups at safety. So there is the possibility that he sees about the same amount of snap count as he had last year, maybe a slight increase uh, going forward in 2021. Yeah, you know, you mentioned – uh, how many safeties they you know basically got back loaded. I, I see I, I see them using veteran Devin McCourty as kind of their last line of defense. I see him playing yes. deeper more often than not and kind of being the quarterback back then. I remember that the Patriots run a whole lot of nickel and dime. So this is you know this, um, using three safeties is not something that uh, is going to be few and far between. But you know at the end of the day. Adrian Phillips and McCordy will probably be on the field 90, if not 100% of the snaps. And depending on game flow, it probably will be Kyle Duggar that will go up and down uh, in, in snaps. And they do play a ton of man, which sometimes will um, you know, keep safeties out of, out of the zone where they, where they may pick up more coverage or pick up uh, you know, more opportunities. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you, Thomas. I, I like Kyle Duggar, but I just don't think – Without injury uh, to to either Phillips or McCourty, I don't see Duggar being on the field more than sixty or maybe eighty percent. And he's just got it'll be one of those things where one week he plays one hundred percent of the snaps and gets six tackles, right. and then the next week he's thirty three percent. A lot of it's going to be opponent driven, but also you know this could possibly change because of the fact that we were going to discuss in in further notes in a few minutes Raquan McMillan went down with a torn ACL and they don't really have they were counting on McMillan to be the 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 three down or most down linebacker on the team and he was doing really well in camp until he tore his ACL they have due to Hightower and Jawan Bentley and obviously they brought in McMillan so they don't have a lot of confidence in those two they could go out and get a a, a a free agent like B.J. Goodson or Patrick Anawasa or even Josh Bynes, and there's another two or three other guys that they could get. But they could also rely on a Duggar and use him more in a three-safety set. I do like Duggar as a wonderful dynasty stash. I don't think he's going to be um, incredibly productive this year, but I, I think they've got high hopes for him in the future. And Devin McCourty, long in the tooth, you know, he's he's he can't stay he can't stay back there forever he's been a he's been a a juggernaut for this defense but um you know at some point i do think they think that um phillips and duggar is going to be their future so this might be a good year to to trade for duggar uh you know get get a couple of weeks into the season have have you just get a couple of bad games from duggar in terms of usage not not play but usage and then trade for him in a dynasty and stash him and then you know in a year or two we'll probably I'll be clamoring for our, right. our um, Kyle Duggar shares. Um, uh, Vickers 07 um, asks us, what's our take on Antoine Winfield Jr.? Well, what is there not to like about him? He ranked third on the team in total tackles, solos, and assists in his rookie season. Now, he may be small at 5'9", but he packs a punch when he's hitting guys. And he had five games last year in which he posted five or more solos, and, and he had 11 big plays total in his first NFL season. This kid can play football. He has NFL um, blood in him from his dad, who is also he was a, a star cornerback, played with the, the Minnesota Vikings. But 
Junior is is very much somebody you can rely on who is a right now is a top flight DB2, low end DB1 heading to be a top DB1 altogether. Yeah, I love him as a uh, I mean obviously in redraft um but you know now's the time to go ahead and trade for him because I, I Thomas I totally agree. Uh, as well as he played last year, I I think he's he, he's still ascending. One of the things that I liked about him last year, and you and I talked about this last year, Thomas, is um, unlike some of the other rookies um, who were coming in with no training camp, no preseason, all that sort of stuff, his name is Antoine Winfield Jr. That's because, and yes. his dad um, uh, was a hell of a football player himself. Indeed. And we've seen this, we've seen this time and time again. It's not only the, that it's in the blood, it's in the genetics and all that. It's that, you know, I mean, you've got a, uh, an amazing football player as a dad, which means you were getting coached every single day from from the time you could remember that you decided you you were into football. He probably has your feet set the right way. He's showing you game film. So yeah. when he showed up as a rookie, he probably felt incredibly comfortable in you know in this position. Um, so they were immediately able to use him. I would do want to talk a little bit about scheme um, because I do think that the that the scheme that the Bucks ran last year and are and are likely to run this year really does fit well for Winfield. They played a lot of single high. Uh, and because of that, it's more often than not that Jordan Whitehead was uh, was the free safety and Antoine Winfield was the one who who played closer to the box. Now, obviously, they've got two amazing linebackers in Devin White and Levante David, but that does not mean just because they got a, a couple, you know, there's a little bit of a myth going around about, you know, if you've got great linebackers, well, then there's not a whole lot left for the safeties to, quote unquote, clean up. And and same with the inverse. If you've got bad linebackers, it doesn't necessarily mean that, right. um, you know, that, you know, that certainly does happen. There's there are there are cases for that. But uh, don't discount Winfield's ability to, to hang around the line of scrimmage and in the box just because there's a couple of great linebackers next to him. There, there is enough room there, particularly because they use Devin White and Levante David in a, in a number of different roles. They don't just sit in the middle of the field and wait. As, as a matter of fact, sometimes when they, when they will um, blitz one of those two, it is Winfield that will move into the box and pick up the slack. So uh, I love Winfield this year. I, I think his arrow is still pointing up, and I would not be surprised surprise if um you know this time next year we're looking at rankings where he's in, if not the the number one um uh db if he's not one of the top three or five you know and you had mentioned scheme there there also opponent is a huge factor there were a few games in his rookie year where winfield disappeared on fantasy owners uh the packers game i know with the the rams game he Kind of had a, a an oh, yeah he had four tackles and I think five assists in the Rams game but he didn't have any big plays and the same thing with the Packers there it was like a three two solos to assist and and these are the type of games where he's not necessarily going to have a, a an outstanding or impact outing and that was something we kind of expected for a rookie and you got to also consider too like you mentioned not only does he have David and White in front of him but he has Indomitian Sue and Vita Vey on the front he has the pressure of um Shaquille Barrett and and um Jason Pierre-Paul on the outsides which allows you know su- supplies pressure on the quarterback uh to give Winfield the ability to make some big plays so he's on a defense that is stout and stellar probably one of the better uh, defensive teams in the league 
and I, I just see nothing but good things for him. And, and like every NFL player you, you, you look at and or try and acquire, they're going to have down games, especially DBs. Everybody has a down game. There's the rare breed that consistently give you solid outings. And I think Winfield is approaching that. Um, so we, uh, we were given a couple other uh, Discord questions, and we're, we're going to get to those next week. We're trying to spread these out and make sure, um, you know, the, these shows don't uh, run too long. So thank you guys for yeah. the questions. We'll, we'll definitely uh, – when we, when we don't have Edwin on, we'll have a little bit more time to dig in. So uh, there, there's a really good question about playing in deeper leagues uh, that we'll get to. But for now, we're, we're going to close it out with some news and notes. And these are going to be a little bit more rapid fire, just very quick uh, things that we've picked up so far in training camp. And we'll kind of uh, go back and forth between Thomas and I. Uh, uh, one of the ones that Thomas wanted to mention, he already covered, which was the Raekwon McMillan news. Uh, but Thomas, you, there's another uh, linebacker you wanted to discuss uh, that has a little bit yeah. of injuries. Luckily, not as bad, though. Well, Ray, uh, Roquan Smith on the, the Bears has been dealing with a groin strain. Um, Mike Nagy has been very gray area about it. He's been pulling a bullet Belichick as far as not having any information regarding Smith and when his return is. In the meantime, uh, recently signed Alec Ogletree has been stepping in and doing very, very well uh, during training camp. And, you know, they, they activated Christian Jones and the Bears do have enough talent in camp to um, get them through training camp and they don't have to rely on Roquan Smith. But groin injuries, as Edwin had mentioned, you know, you get these soft tissue injuries and they can be really, really tricky. Um, I wanted to move on and talk a little bit about the uh, the Jaguars. There's a couple things going on with the with the Jaguars that are worth discussing. The the big one is uh, one of their outside corners who they were planning on relying on this year. Uh, they have a young cornerback group, uh, uh, except for Shaq Griffin, and uh, that's C.J. Henderson. Uh, it's a there's a little bit of a mystery about what's going on there. Uh, they've made it known that that they're willing to trade or they're listening to trade offers on C.J. Henderson. Uh, from the digging I have done, uh, which is just kind of piecing some stuff together, I, I believe that what C.J. Henderson is going through uh, is personal and it's not football related. And it's it's nothing, you know, when we think of cornerbacks and the Jaguars and or defensive players in the Jaguars and and issues, you know, we think about all the issues that Jalen Ramsey and uh, and Yannick Ngakwe and a lot of these players had. I don't think that's what's happening here with, with C.J. Henderson. I think it's not football related. Um, so it's a situation that hopefully all that will get sorted out. But for now, because it's it's not like it's not contract related. It's nothing like that. I think it's the sort of thing where, uh, you know, at least until further notice, we have to assume that C.J. Henderson's, um, uh, you know, draftable draftability uh, has taken a huge plummet. But hopefully everything works out there OK for him on a personal level. And um, with some team, I would love to see him uh, come back because I, I do think he's got a lot of talent. He's a very young and talented player. But uh, if C.J. Henderson does not end up getting things sorted out uh, at Jacksonville, uh, I do think you know, that, that cracks the door open a little bit more for their second rounder, uh, uh, Tyson Campbell. Uh, he might take on a bigger role than, than they were expecting uh, to start the season. So that'll be interesting to watch. And you have to keep in mind, too, that Urban Meyer is not in a four-year 
plan. He's in a one-year do-it-now plan, and he has no ties to Henderson because that was the previous administration that brought Henderson in. So it's either you play for me now or I'm going to move on from you. So one of the other things that has been interesting to watch in Jacksonville, and, and this is the sort of thing that we'll see play out you know, hopefully your drafts aren't for another week or two. Um, and that is that, uh, you know, they the Jags brought over um, linebacker Damian Wilson from from the Chiefs. And Wilson was a very versatile player for them, part-time player for sure. But he, he had certain things that he excelled at, and they tried to set up their defense uh, to do that. Well, uh, lately, or at least actually right even from the start of camp, Wilson has been heavily rotating, in particular with Joe Schobert, but also some with Miles Jack. Now, it could just be that they want they need Wilson to get reps uh, as the, as the direct backup to both Schobert and Miles Jack, and I believe that's most likely the case. Um, but remember that they you know they basically are bringing over more of a Baltimore style defense. Uh, and they may be taking some stuff from the Chiefs as well. They're trying to reinvent this defense and be more multiple. Um, and it's uh, there are a lot of defenses out there that have a heavy ro- – and the Chiefs are one of them – that have a heavy rotation at linebacker. Um, and if this ends up being the case, if we see that Wilson is doing a lot of rotating with these two, obviously we have to um, pull back our expectations for both. Um or it might be that Wilson is just rotating mainly with Schobert, uh, in which case uh, that really puts a, a hamper on uh, on the fact that we have been considering Schobert a uh, you know a, a top ten or a top twelve linebacker. Now, way too early to assume that this is what's happening. Please don't overreact. But we're looking for clues, and we want to see if those things get stacked up once the games uh, come into play. And you also have to consider the fact that, as you mentioned, that they're bringing in more of a Baltimore-style scheme, which is a 3-4 base. And Miles Jack is not well acquainted with a 3-4 base, even though Schobert played uh, 3-4 with Cleveland. He does have deficiencies as well, and that's the reason why they did bring in Damian Wilson. Because of his versatility, he could be one of those guys that they keep on the field, and that would mean if he plays more downs and or even becomes a three-down linebacker, then either Jack or Schobert, most likely one of the two, depending on the the, the scheme that they're going to use or you know the defensive packages that they're going to run, could suffer snap count loss. Now, all these bad news about linebackers. We have some good news for once. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Darius Leonard signs a five-year, $99.25 million extension. Now, that included a $20 million signing bonus and a $52.5 million guarantee. So we had talked about earlier in our first podcast that Leonard is playing for a contract. Well, he's already got the contract. So... We're looking at this now as, okay, he's he's the big dog on this defense. But we're also concerned and have in the back of our minds, now that he has a big contract, will he will that affect his play whatsoever? How do you think that'll affect him? Uh, I I think it's a good sign. I mean, first of all, you know, he's had some injury history, so the fact that they're willing to lock him up for five years means their team physicians must feel pretty confident about a, you know, his, his injury history being fluky and not something that they're too concerned about. And B, um, after just a little bit of training camp and watching Leonard, they must feel uh, incredibly confident that he's, he's that like high impact um, pro bowl player that he was just a couple of years ago. So all those signs mean that the team uh, 
uh, you know, is happy to invest heavily in him. And I would imagine for Leonard, you know, who's who doesn't strike me just from his interviews and, uh, you know, the things that I've read about him, doesn't strike me as a type of player who is, is now going to just kick it into cruise control. I think he's got I'm sure he's glad to have the money, but I think he's got, um, you know, the Hall of Fame on his mind uh, more so than that. So uh, I, it gives me just even more confidence that he's a he's a he's a, a, a top top two or top three linebacker this year. So why don't we wrap this up with a rapid fire, just make some mention of like nine, 10 different things um, that are happening in training camp and, or we see forthcoming. Uh, and, and I'll start us off by saying that uh, I did a mock game in Seattle. And one thing that I really struggled with was getting used to the Jersey numbers. And it's going to be tricky for fans out there in 2021 because these jersey numbers, I'm looking at a number eight on the defensive end position, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, you know, normally when you see a pile and you see a 75 or a 60, or that's an offensive lineman. If you see, a, you know, the 50s, that's most likely the linebacker. And you can pretty all of a sudden now a number eight, well, is that is that a defensive end? Is that a linebacker? So you're going to have to get used to these new numbering uh uniform numbers that the NFL is uh, allowing. Uh, moving on to uh, Dante Fowler uh, for the Falcons. He's uh, finally started practicing. Uh, they've got you know big plans for him. He's been an up and down player. Uh, he did well with uh, Aaron Donald uh, next to him playing defensive tackle. Uh, the Falcons have a pretty good defensive tackle themselves um, with Grady Jarrett. So uh, you know, best of luck to Dante Fowler. I'm not incredibly high on him, but the fact that he's back to practicing and and will definitely have a, a shot and as has flashed in the past. He's not, he's not the end of the world to, to grab him late in drafts. Now the Ravens penciled in um, Malik Harrison as a starting weak side linebacker for now. And <laughs> we, we emphasis for now because he made enough mistakes in his rookie season that this could be a temporary, I wouldn't say temporary because he is going to be their ultimate starting weak side linebacker down the road, but they could pull him off the field when he, he you know, he'll have a short leash. Let's put it that way. Speaking of young linebackers who were uh, making a move on their team, Logan Wilson for the Bengals. Uh, I've read some things that that they are trying to put him in a position to be their every down linebacker, which would be great because the Bengals had such a, a mishmash last year, and we really want to see that every down linebacker there, as many of them as we can get our hands on. Uh, they drafted Wilson highly. Obviously, every rookie last year um, struggled with no preseason and no training camp. Uh, they're really trying to give Logan Wilson every opportunity to earn it. And so far he's been standing out uh, as, as they're starting Mike linebacker. Uh, over in the Packers training camp, you have two starting cornerbacks in Jari Alexander and Kevin uh, King, but the man that is really starting to turn heads a little bit is Shandon uh, Sullivan who is currently the nickel or what they call the star cornerback for the Packers. He could see a lot of playing time and get a lot of snaps in the nickel role. So the Packers who roll out three cornerbacks often, uh, Shandon Sullivan could benefit from that. 
uh, let's let's stick with the Packers and uh, uh, other linebacking um, situations. Uh, the beat reporters so far are saying that Chris Barnes actually has a slight lead for the every down linebacker role there in uh, in Green Bay, which would be huge. However, they're also talking up uh, Devondre Campbell quite a bit. Now, granted, last year they talked up um, Christian Kirksey, <laughs> and he ended up being a, a gigantic bust for them. So yeah. it's a little hard to tell. We'll you know we don't want coach speak. We want to actually see film. So, but uh, keep your eyes when, when the Packers start hitting the field, particularly maybe in preseason week two, um, that, that's going to kind of be our magic number. If Barnes is, is the one that stays on the field, then the, we're starting to see a smoking gun here. And it might be, uh, a, 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 you know, we can pick up on Barnes because right now the, the, the conventional thought is that Campbell would have owned that role. But uh, if Barnes can actually snag that role, he's got a lot of value as a sleeper. Indeed. Now we we as we have mentioned earlier in in our injury report, we've been mon- uh, mentioning Derwin James quite a bit. He's standing out in, uh, early in training camp, and that's a good sign. Now there was some notes that you had from James in camp. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so um, speaking of every down linebackers, uh, you know, more and more uh, defenses are starting to entrust the uh, the play calling duties or wearing the the play calling helmet, which comes with a green dot. So we call it wearing the green dot. Uh, Derwin James uh, has been wearing the green dot for uh, for the Chargers. That play does color. a couple of things. Yeah, he's a play caller, which means he is not leaving the field. So if that's the case. Uh, any any concerns that James that they would try to ease James in and maybe only use him in, in a part time role out the we, window. <laughs> we can wash that away. The other thing that it brings up is if he's on the field for every snap, that means they're not trusting Kenneth Murray to be on the field for every snap. So that also helps us pump our brakes on whether or not Murray, because remember they've got they've got a slew of linebackers over there: Kazir White, Drew Tranquil, um, uh, and then. Um, uh, uh, what's his name? I just blanked on his name. Which, um, uh, you're White and and base. I mean, Kenneth Perry, Murray, right? Murray and yeah, not Perry Perryman was last right. year. But I I, I just gone. said Murray's He's name. I just. Yeah, I just said Murray's name and I completely forgot he existed. Um, so, you know, uh, they may do one of these kind of, we're calling it Baltimore, not Baltimore defense things, but, you know, Green Bay's done it too. A lot of teams have done it where they may rotate their linebackers. So Murray might not be a three down linebacker as we were hoping he would be. And there's somebody else that you want to mention that wears a green dot. That's right. Um, Anthony Walker for the Browns. It does look like Walker will be there every down linebacker. And this is also great news. Just like the Bengals last year, the Bengals and the Browns both had messes when it came to their linebackers where you couldn't really trust any of them. They were so um, uh, scheme dependent. Uh, that their snap counts went out of down and became very frustrating. We were hoping that they would eventually settle on some every down linebackers. And I know Walker just got injured, uh, but I think they are hoping that Walker will be their every down linebacker. Remember, he was a hell of a player for the Colts just last year. Uh, Although there are some concerns. I mean, when he was with the Colts, by the end, he was struggling to stay on the field for every down. But um, that was a that's a pretty stacked uh, linebacking core over there in in with the Colts. The Browns is a little iffier there, so it'd be nice to see Walker settle into that that every down role so he can be reliable. Indeed. Now, the first unofficial depth chart for the Las Vegas Raiders has come out, and we have been pulling our hair trying to figure out who's playing what and where. Um, we've talked about Nick Kukowski being the starting middle linebacker. And well, the, in this first unofficial depth chart, 
the Raiders have listed Corey Littleton as the weak side linebacker, Nick Morrow as the starting middle linebacker, and Tony Muse is the strong side linebacker. So with Muse on the, the strong side, chances are he'll be only a, a two-down linebacker at best. Morrow still hasn't totally claimed the middle linebacker spot. Kwiatkowski could still challenge him for that. And Littleton likely won't be a three-down linebacker either. So this is still a messy situation, and we have a feeling this is going to just keep changing and evolving as the the weeks go by. Speaking of messy situations, the uh, (laughs) safety-slash-linebacker situation in Dallas is also a mess. They've got uh, Jalen Smith and Leighton Van Der Esch, and then they drafted Micah Parsons, and they've got Keanu Neal. uh, You know, they're they're calling him a linebacker, and then what, what I've seen from practices and from the Hall of Fame game, he's playing a lot in that box, so... Um, the real question here is, uh, how will Neal's snaps affect Smith and Van Der Esch and Parsons if he, if he ends up playing a, a, a you know more of a traditional linebacker role in certain in certain setups and certain schemes? But also, how does that affect Donovan Wilson, um, who also is somebody I think they would prefer to have uh, closer to the box than than necessarily you know deep? So, how are they going to use Keanu Neal with Donovan Wilson with those other? the three linebackers. I'm sure there's a plan there, but that's a lot of players to work out and it just makes you um, hesitate. It should make you hesitate to draft some of these players uh, just in terms of consistency. Would love to see some, some more snaps before I have to draft any of them. But for right now, they're all, they're all players. I'm downgrading at least one tier based on the uncertainty uh, of their roles. I'll wrap this up with a a couple of linebacker notes. Um, C.J. Mosley on the New York Jets in 2019, he had a bunch of injuries. And in 2020, he had COVID-19 where he opted out. Uh, He's finally returned to the Jets practice field, and and they're looking forward to him uh, being a mainstay on this defense and hopefully give them 17 games in 2021. Now, Jayon Brown on Tennessee has looked really, really good uh, early in, in camp. Granted, it's early. While they have put pads on, they haven't put full-blown pads on. You won't really start seeing the full-blown pads until the first preseason game. But Brown has been looking decent early on in camp. All right, my friend, this was fun. It was great to have Edwin on. Uh, we, hopefully we answered some of your questions and helped you get some sneak peeks into these training camps before the preseason game starts, before you guys can actually see some actual football. Uh, these early training camp notes, please take them with a grain of salt. But uh, trying to give you all as as updated news as possible. But, of course, all these are incomplete. But it's nice mm-hmm. just to know that uh, we've already had at least one football game. We have a bunch more coming up. Now, when these games start, we'll start breaking down what we see on film, uh, which is really what we're ha- hoping to do is have this be a little bit of like some clues that we're building. And then once, once we see a, at least one week of preseason games, we can start seeing if one plus one is going to occur, in which case it gives us more or less confidence of some of the notes that we've mentioned here today. And, and also keep on the Discord board, keep throwing those questions out there, and we'll try and address more of them during the future podcasts. Absolutely. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Hope you guys have enjoyed this as much as we have been recording it. Please visit fantasypoints.com where you can see my ID analysis, as well as Thomas Simons, as well as the great work that uh, Edward Porras is putting in on both sides of the ball for the injury report. Oh, and by the way, there's John Hansen and 
and Graham Barfield and Joe Dolan and Thomas Brawley and uh, uh, Scott Barrett. A few other people you might have heard of. So uh, please join us over there at fantasypoints.com. Uh, again, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's down with IDP. Uh, Thomas, take us home. Be well and be safe. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at fantasypoints.com. Fantasy Points.